Sixers is joined by legendary cricket commentator Robin Jackson. Good morning, Robin. How are you this morning? Morning, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> good, good, good. We're going to start off with your career. Um, absolutely fascinating. You took over 1,400 wickets in your, your career. What would you say got you to that? A lot that of overs. <laughs> a lot of overs. I bowled an awful lot of overs. Yeah. Um, and that's that's first. That's just first class that you're yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about there. Yeah. And I played a lot of cricket because I played first class cricket for 12 solid years. Yes. I played for, um, obviously, for seven to 18 years for Surrey. But in that in time, in that time, I came out to South Africa for 12 years. Yes. And so I played Curry Cup cricket for South Africa and, and Rhodesia as it was then. Yeah. So I I was playing. Literally the whole year round, albeit that in those days you only played about eight Curry Cup games. You didn't play that many, true, true. but it still meant playing a lot of club cricket. Still meant yeah. a lot of work, a lot of hard work. And there's no doubt that as one got, as I got older, anyway, I got better because I got a bit wiser. Okay, and I learned my trade better. Yes, being five foot nine and a half and trying to bowl reasonably fast is is. It's a bit of a contradiction. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it took it took accuracy. Yes. So I, I worked hard on being as accurate as I could. Okay. And uh, that got me to where I got to in the end. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you mentioned that you specifically played for Western Province and, and Rhodesia. Or why those two teams specifically? If I may ask, or was it? Well, just I came I came to Cape Town in 1968 because I was. I signed Pro Forms for Surrey in 65. And by 1968, I hadn't really progressed. I was still playing in a second team. I made the odd uh, the odd first team match or whatever, but invariably against the, either the touring side, so someone that could have a rest, or universities or something. So, and I didn't think I was getting any better, and I needed to try and work at something and yeah. get better. So I went to the club secretary at the time. In those days, they didn't have CEOs. They had a secretary, a secretary, secretary, and that was about it. Now there's hundreds <laughs> of people employed at these yeah. various counties. His name was um, Jeff Howard. And I said, Mr. Howard, do you know anyone in either Australia or South Africa that I can go and play some club cricket this winter and maybe do a bit of coaching to earn a crust to buy a beer. So he very kindly, he very kindly um, found a guy called Tom Reddick, okay. who was a friend of his. And Tom, who was a former Nottinghamshire player, was older than me, not older than me. And he was working out here coaching. He'd been out here for donkey's years. And he was coaching at Plumstead High School and at, uh, at Cape Town Cricket Club. So he said, yeah, turn to get on the plane and come over. So that's exactly what I did. I met my wife here in 1970. I did five years in, in the Western Cape, played, played one year uh, for province, when, when, which was the first year they allowed overseas pros to play in the Curry Cup. And then, then I was asked to go to Rhodesia and play for them, which I did for eight years. So... That's how it all began, and my love affair with not only my wife, but with the country. And so I said to her, look, when I've finished dragging you around the world and my career's over, I'll come and live in your place. Love That's that. why I live here. Great, great, great story. 
you mentioned earlier that you, you bowled a lot and you obviously took a lot of wickets and you were the Wisdom Cricketer of the Year in 1981, having taken 121 first loss uh, wickets yeah. the previous summer, but you were 20 wickets above the next best. Do you just place that down to your still, accuracy? I, I still didn't get picked for England. <laughs> Well, that's that's not the next thing that we'll chat about. Is that it was it was late in your career when England finally said, "Okay, all right, Robin, you've been called up. Let, let's go." How did you feel? What was going through your mind? I mean, you, you've just been taking wicket after wicket after wicket in your career. Now, at the end, they say, "All right, have a go." How did you feel? Well, it it took a long time for them to say, "Come and have a go." Yeah, but it was understandable. I mean, the, the guys playing for England then, and I'm in the bowling for England with Willis. Both and Chris Old, um, a little bit before them, the likes of John Snow and John Price. Yeah. So they were really, really difficult people. Really difficult people to for me to dislodge because yeah. they were pretty hardened Test cricketers by then. Yeah. So I just all I tried to do was just keep keep doing what I was doing until yeah. maybe one day. It might all happen, and it only happened eventually. I played some one-day internationals in the mid-70s. Uh, but as far as test cricket was concerned, it only happened when, after that season that you mentioned, yeah. I was, wasn't selected for the tour to the West Indies. I was put on standby in case there was an injury. And my old friend Bob Willis got injured. So he came back, and I went out. Sure. And I outbowled the guys who were already out there in the warm-up game against Barbados after all the furore and yeah. the business of nearly getting chucked out, which is another whole story. Um, and I outbowled the others in that warm-up match and therefore got the nod for the Barbados test. So it took an injury for me to eventually fly across the world and, and make my debut as a test cricketer, having already played some ODIs, yeah. Sure. Amazing. So then, obviously, that was your career, and then you decided to get involved in commentary, and, and then how did that all begin, Robert? Where, where did you start? Um, I always, I'd always fancied it. I actually, when I was a kid, my uncle was quite a good actor. Okay. Very good actor. Yeah. And I always wanted to, all I wanted to do was go on stage. I wanted to be like him. And he taught me out of it. He said it wasn't a very good idea. So I said, okay, then I'm going to try and play cricket. And so there was always sort of a hankering to, to be, to be on a stage. Yes. So the, you know, the first stage that I managed to get onto was cricket field. Uh, and then when I packed up, it, it's, it's hard, you know, you, yeah. you, you've given your life and soul to a sport. You're now 38 years old. Your body won't let you do it any longer. And you've got to find something else to do. And I kind of recognized that. And just prior to my retirement from the game, I approached a friend of my father's who worked for the BBC, a guy called Baxter. And he... He was the producer of Test Match Special. So I was able to, through my dad, I was able to sort of kind of run in. I see my dad, I think, was more a friend of his dad's. Mm. And so I said, can I audition? Because I'm, I'm packing up at the end of the season. I'd quite like to see how I could go on radio. 
It's okay. And he came up to the Oval and we were playing one of the last matches of the season against Manchester, against Manchester, <laughs> against Lancashire. And he asked me to do a little bit of commentary, radio commentary. And then he said to me, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a minute to think about it. This was right at the end of the day's play. And he said, then I want a 30 second report on the day. So I did that, and of course I ran into about 45, 50 seconds because the time goes by so quickly. And he said, okay, that, that sounds pretty good. And it stopped there. And I packed up playing. I emigrated. I wrote to him. I said, any chance of any work during the summer? And he said, I'll tell you what, if you can get yourself over here, we'll pay your your daily expenses while, you, while you're working for us and come and do such and such a test match, one test match. Wow. So I thought, well, sure. that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I went over and, I mean, I didn't make on the deal because the airfare cost more than they paid me. But it didn't cost me to be in England because my folks were still there. So I stayed with them when I wasn't actually at the test match and I made a bit of a holiday of it. And the next year... Again, I had to get myself over there, and I got two test matches. Sure. And then the next year, I got three test matches. Oh, wow. And then BBC TV came to me and said, won't you, in, when you're not doing your stint for a test match special, will you come work for us? So that's how, that's how the career started. And when finally, you know, I'd, I was clearly living in South Africa for the rest of my life, then it was SABC with Quirky, my good mate Quirky, um, followed by uh, Supersport. And then around the world um, with them, as it were, uh, commentating all over the place. So I had, a, I had a fantastic time. I mean, it, it was, it's not every day that you get, you get a job that you are passionate about and you love doing. And when you're too old to do it, you can stay involved with that job, which is, if you want to call it cricket, by broadcasting it. You know, I feel so, I feel quite envious of today's golfers who, you know, when they're a bit knackered and they're 50 and they're not winning majors any longer, they can go on a seniors tour and still, still enjoy what they love doing to start with and be, make a, yeah. make a load more money. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, so yeah. I, I, I sort of almost draw that as an analogy. I was very yeah. lucky. Yeah. Uh, Robin, you've seen plenty, plenty of matches um, around the world. Is there any game that comes to mind where you just had to say, wow, that was just one of the games to experience in your lifetime that you'll probably never see, see again? Strange enough, and the one that comes to mind is the one I didn't work. Oh, wow. I was sitting in my lounge. <laughs> and that was the 438 game. There we go. I mean, that was spooky. It was. That was really spooky. Yeah. What? We, I was sitting in the lounge, and my missus was, it was a day game. Yeah, yeah, it was a day game. It was a day game. It was a day game. And my wife was in the kitchen, and I could see, we got the lounge, and I can see through the dining room and into the kitchen, making lunch. And sort of late lunch, I said, let's have lunch with the players. And she said, okay. So I'd seen the first inning, 
punting, smashing it all over the yeah. place in Australia, walking around with a smug look on their face. Nobody's ever got 400 before, let alone chased it. Yeah. And um, she's still preparing stuff in the kitchen when our inning starts. And about five overs into our innings, I said to her, how important is it what you're doing in there? Is it? Can it wait? And she said, well, I can make it wait, yeah. So I said, well, just shut it all down and come yeah. and watch for a minute because I think something spectacular might happen. Yeah. Okay. We had lunch at about 7 o'clock. That <laughs> 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 was fantastic. It was guy. fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful to experience. Whoever yeah. was there to watch it is oh. very fortunate. Those, those that I was at and called... Um, not so much matches, but special uh, special innings by certain people or bowling spells by certain people. And I'll never forget, and I, I'm hopeless on years, um, but South Africa playing India at Newlands mm. and Mohammed Azruddin and Tendulkar batted. Wow. It was one of the most exciting afternoons of cricket that I've had the privilege to broadcast. Uh, when... Stokesy from England got 200, also Newlands. Yeah. I was on the air then. That was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, I was on the air when Cullis got his first double, which was fantastic. And I was actually calling it. Yeah. The game was a privilege. Yeah. So there's a sort of moment. Yes. Sort of pick up. Absolutely. when yeah. Sachin Tendulkar got his first double. And I had to interview him afterwards. Wow. And it was very funny because he is the most humble man you'd ever come across. Mm. So I said, the obvious question is, you must be very relieved mm. to have finally got to a double. And he said, yes, I have this nasty habit of getting out in the 170s, mm. <laughs> which is just, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having that happen. <laughs> so when I got through 170, into the 80s, I thought, no, now I can, now I can do it. But I was sure. only happy when I got to 180. Wow! And, I, and oh. little, those sort of things, I'll yeah. never, I'll never forget. You know, tours to the Caribbean, um, innings by Lara and people like yeah. that. that you, they don't go away. No, you, you can almost remember them ball by ball. No. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. If you had a look at it, uh, South Africa's got a deep history of producing fantastic cricketers. If you could just give a summary, what do you think our best 11 would be? Cool. Would you want to think about that and we'll go back to it later? No, you should have told me this two weeks ago. <laughs> it's, I tell you what, it's an impossible question, darling. We got back into international cricket. Well, that would really be an interesting one to look at. If we had to say since we got back into international cricket, it's still hard. It's still hard. It's still hard because yeah. if you want to fill up your fast bowl. Okay, you, you've got to go Donald. Yeah. You've got to go Stain. Yeah. This is probably the, actually the easiest. Yeah. Um, Stain, Donald Stain. Yeah, would, would Ntini have a shot? Ntini, Morkel. Morkel. <laughs> uh, Pollock. Yeah. So there's seven. So yeah, there's so six. much. Yeah. And you can only play three. Spinners, you know, there was a time when you would have said um, Adams, because he, he faster than Warney to 100 test wickets, yeah. so they worked him out. Yeah. Um, then there's 
you know, we, there isn't really a plethora. So you could yeah. actually pick a team without a spinner. It's true. Because we used to so, yeah. for so many years. Ah, batting. Crikey. Uh, you'd have to, obviously, you want Gullis walking in at four. Um, Kepler Vistas? You, you see, Kepler was so solid. Yeah. Up front, you'd probably keep him to have a little open with... Who do you have? Graham Smith. Let's talk about Graham Smith. Definitely. Yeah. And, and Captain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gary Kirsten. Yeah. The vessels. So you've got two, two opens from those three. You've got Amber. Yeah. And probably people will read, read or listen to this and go, no, he's left out and so and so. Which is so easy. Yeah. So you've got A.B. De Villas, you've got Bob oh. Boucher, you've got... Oh, well, Boucher's coming in at seven, so... Yeah. And you've got, as I was saying, Amla, De Villiers, Cullis, you've got to find room for. And I'm only thinking of the reasonably recent guys. Yes, I'm not yes, going yes. back to Ansi's, Ansi's team. Yeah. You, and the all-rounders, you've got Brian McMillan. Oh, Adrian Caper would smack Adrian a ball. Yeah. Would, it, especially in a one-day set-up, Capes would play, you know, yeah. about the test matches. Yeah. It's, you've got about 15 or 16. Yeah, America, can make more. it more. That you could put in any order and say, yeah, that's as good a team as we could put up. So looking in that, looking at that, and then we look to the future. Do you see? I would call those guys match winners because they could just any one of them could do something fantastic on a day. Do you see that happening in our current structures? Are we producing those match winners, so to say? That's a seriously good question. Um, my immediate reaction is no. Uh, because we've mentioned a few yeah. already. Yeah. Stain, we've mentioned. And Tavillia's, we've mentioned. The only guy from a batting perspective that, based on his reputation, is Quinton de Kock at the moment, who's standing out to the bat. Yeah. That, but that's, he's, but oh, you see, I don't. I think this was a disaster when they asked him to go and open in yeah. the Red Bull game. Yeah. Um, it's a totally different setup. Yeah. The ball swings more. Yeah. It, it, there's just so much, it's so different playing the red and the white ball. Yeah. To let him open and have a whack in the white ball game, but he must come in at six or seven. Yeah. As Gilchrist did. Yeah. Just do a carbon copy of Gilchrist, I yeah. mean, and which he virtually is. Yeah. You know, it's true. Gilchrist opened yeah. in the white ball game, came in at seven and got hundreds and then the red ball game. Well, but otherwise, as you say, we've had this. The problem with our cricket at the moment is that we've had this glut of retirements. And no one... Top players all at the same yeah. time, and Fuff's the next one. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be around long. We haven't replaced... We haven't foreseen it. Mm. And the Aussies are very clever. Yeah, at they are brilliant at this. Seeing a bloke who's at the end of his career yeah. and not almost not letting him retire, saying, I'm sorry, sunshine. Mm. You've got to make room for a youngster. That's how Ponting started. Came yeah. in at number six. Yeah. And then when he was mature, mm. he mm. moved mm. up to number three, who'd retired. And the newbie came in at number six. Mm. And they, that's how they built a, a team over a period of time, to last over a period of time. Sure. sure. We don't have that system. No. And, uh, so we, and we've missed the boat, really. Yeah. And you think, looking at that, is that why perhaps Makram has failed a bit because there's all that pressure? Like, he has to produce now. 
and he's new to his career, international career. He has to make runs now, or we're in trouble. Yeah, I liken Markram yeah. to Gullis. Oh, okay, okay. First of all, and this is a hell of a statement, um, he's the closest thing to Gullis that I've seen since oh, Gullis, yeah. by the way that he plays yeah. and, and, and so on. I think he's a fantastic player. And you must remember that after Jack's first eight or so test matches, yeah. he was only averaging about 18, 19, yeah. 20, something like that. True. And the, the selectors were, showed a lot of faith because they could see he was talented and they, mm. you know, the, the rest is history. <laughs> and I feel that they are trying to do that with Aiden Marker as well. Which is essential. It's a slightly harder job because he opens. Yes. So you're more vulnerable, obviously, yeah. when the ball's brand new. Yeah. And the bowlers are fresh as daisies and so on. But then again, Jack was going in three when he started his career. True. So he had it just as tough up front. And um, he'll come through it. Yeah. He'll come through it. It's a question of what responsibilities they give him in the meantime. Are they going to yeah. make him captain as well? Or would that maybe be a good thing for him? Yes. Those are questions you can't really answer, even yes. if you're the, the bus's selection committee or a psychiatrist. You're not, you know, you can't. <laughs> it's very hard to. It is. It is. Because if, if you make him captain and he carries on failing, mm. you say, well, it's because of his captaincy. Yeah. And if you took the captaincy away and he got a got a hundred, even if it was against a, a weaker team, you'd go, there you go. See, yeah. you shouldn't have made him captain. No, so it's, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a tough one. Yeah. But he's a, he's a quality player. No, he is. Without a doubt. Robin, to end things off, anything you're looking forward to in the cricket realm? Any competitions? The 2020 crickets? Anything specifically you're looking forward I'm to? The to test you, against England? I've got to tell you, I can't hear certainly the test matches. Yeah. Um, I'm not as excited about the game as I used to be because I'm not working any longer, which I'd love to be. So it's a, it's a strange old, old thing, you know. I, I ought to get excited about our Zanzi Super League. Super yeah. League. But for some reason, it's not sort of blowing my hair back uh, like IPL did. But I worked on IPL for the first six. Yeah. And it was sensational. Yeah. I mean, it was just a real eye-opener. It was a bit sort of hit and miss, but it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. The atmosphere in India is just ridiculous. Can you imagine? I mean, if you've got a bucket list and you haven't seen an IPL match, you go. Got to go. Go and see one. <laughs> okay. Uh, anybody out there? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a, a whole new experience. Yeah, don't have to support anybody. Just go and feel it. Feel the experience. Brilliant. So that that may be, but I I don't watch as much as that as I used to because I'm just kind of yeah, I watch as much Test cricket as I can because that's the yeah. pure game. Exactly, and I think with twenty twenty cricket, it's almost a carbon copy. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. With Test cricket, is Test cricket. There's nothing else like it. No, it's a beautiful thing about it. And because it, it is, well, I mean, it's an old cliche, it tests every single exactly. part of you, yeah. your ability, your mental strength, your fitness. Yeah. It's a proper test of the game. Absolutely. Even down to the smaller things in life, like, well, not the smaller things in life, <laughs> but knowing how to play the four defensive shot. Oh, there we go. Knowing how to leave the ball alone. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, when batsmen leave the ball alone, it's actually a shot. Yeah. They are playing a stroke. That's true. 100%. A negative one, but they're playing it because it's important for their yeah. survival that they know what to, what they can play, what they've got to leave. So we, I'm, I, for instance, 
um, yeah, don't good. see enough young so kids, or really small ones, stopping the ball. True. Most most of the schools play 25 over cricket, yeah. limited overs of some kind. And when a kid runs up and bowls a good ball, there aren't enough young boys at 10, 11, 12, I know because my grandson's that age, who actually respect that and stop it and wait for the bad one, which they'll get. Yeah. They'll get, at that age, they'll get four bad ones and over. Correct. Correct. And when they're first-class cricketers, they'll only get one every two overs maybe. <laughs> but they're not prepared to wait, so they get out. And it's, it's the good kids. I just watch, when I go and watch him, I watch the other boys as well, obviously. And when I see a guy in a limited service game leave the ball, especially an opening batsman, or just play a forward defensive or a back defensive, I go, he can play. Yeah, exactly. Because already, <laughs> mentally, he knows what he's trying to do. He's trying to stay at the crease because he knows that he will get enough bad balls to get a score. Yeah. Robin, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. No, it's terrific. been such good insight. Terrific. Thank you so much. No, my you, pleasure. You've made my day. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Ryan. you so much, man.